This episode of the Section 109 podcast is brought to you by Operation Get Active. Operation Get Active uses the game of soccer to encourage young people in Chattanooga to live active, healthy lifestyles. Welcome back to the Section 109 podcast. I'm your host, Breezy. I am joined today in a little bit of a different episode uh, by co-host Matt. And we are not joined by producer Jay. He is busy today or co-host Smitty. But I am joined by a bunch of beautiful CFC players who have joined us to have a a little different conversation than we often have. Uh, We talk a lot about games and we do talk a lot about stories. Uh, But today we're going to have a little bit of a different talk about race in America due to the cancellation of the game. Today would be a game day. Uh, but this is a, a very different day for all of us. So Matt and I are here um, not so much to lead a conversation like we would normally do, asking people where they're from and how did they get to CFC, but kind of to participate in a conversation and, and lend our platform to some guys that have a much different message for us and can speak to something much more than two white guys in the suburbs can. Um, so thank you all for being here. We have co-host, guest co-host Richard Dixon with us. Um, and before Rich gets into things, I'd like to ask everybody to kind of introduce yourselves, maybe tell us where you're from, you know, maybe the club you played at before you got to CFC. I don't know what position you play, just so listeners kind of know who we're talking to. And then we'll dive right in. Hey, all you Chattanooga fans, this is uh, Sean Russell here. Um, you're a center back I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, former player for Ford Madison, and I'm um, glad to be here with you guys. Hey, I'm Ryan Marcano, number 19, uh, right wing back, uh, former club at Atlanta Silverbacks. Um, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is David Coloco, and I am your central midfielder. And I used to play for um, Charlotte, Charlotte um, Stumptown. And thank you guys for having me over here. With the radio voice. I like it. (laughs) 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 He he put the late night special on. (laughs) What's up, Chattanooga? Hey, this is Wilfred Williams. Um, Originally from the East Tennessee, uh, Johnson City, but uh, was born in Monrovia, Liberia. Uh, It's great to be back playing for the club. Uh, just uh, was playing for Oakland Roots, and I'm just happy to be back with the club again. And, and real quick, Wilfred, tell us, uh, have you been to Chattanooga before? Yes, I have been to Chattanooga before. I used to play for the club um, a couple of years ago, so it's great to be back and uh, wearing the uniform again. Welcome back home, man. Welcome back home. Thank you. Thank you. Guest co-host Rich? Chattahooligans, Chattanooga fans, uh, Richard Dixon here again with you guys having a little bit different uncomfortable conversation so um, thank you guys for your time thank you for your your open-mindedness and yeah thank you for listening looking forward to the episode all right let's get into it rich the floor is yours all right um, so guys first of all Matt Breezy thank you guys for allowing us to use your platform to you know express ourselves and express our emotions and our thoughts and um, you know in a very difficult time that we're all going through, um, not just as black men, you know, living in America, but, you know, as human beings, you know, in general, everybody's going through a tough time, you know, going through a global pandemic, um, you know, the economic, uh, you know, depression that's almost about to happen. So everybody's going through a lot, you know, but 
we're here today to talk about a specific issue um, of race, and it's a very touchy topic, a very emotional topic for a lot of people when you consider there's people out there that are losing lives, you know? Um, a lot of us have stories and experiences um, that we're lucky enough to be sitting here talking to you guys and, and, and give, sharing our experiences because we escape with our lives, right? But there's a lot of people out there that weren't that fortunate and weren't that lucky. And so we, we thank you guys for allowing us, you know, to share our stories and um, to, to, to share a message. So, yeah, we appreciate it. Of course. We're happy to have you guys. Um, so, obviously, you know, with the, with, with the game being canceled, um, and this is something I want to address as well, with the game being canceled, the club kind of put out a statement um, yesterday, and I think it was kind of taken in, in, in the wrong way. Um, the, the, the wording, you know, could have been a little bit different, but it kind of was taken by a lot of people in the wrong way. And we want to let you mean everybody like, know. You mean like fans and, yes, and, and yes, other people just Yes, we want to let everybody know, um, you know, on air live that we fully stand with New Amsterdam, right? We, we had every intention of playing the game had they come here, but we were going to use that, that game to send a message also, right? Just like all the USL teams did yesterday, right at the seventh minute and at the eighth minute and 46 seconds, we were gonna use that game to send a message. They decided not to play. We fully respect that, right? And so I just saw some things online. People kind of took it out of context and um, you know, just kind of misinterpreted a bit. So wanted to clear the air um, about that first and foremost. So if you guys wanna, you guys have anything to say about that, um, go ahead. Um, yeah, this is David Coloco. Um, you know, first things first, you know, I just want to um, just thank God for putting us in the situation right now so that we can actually shed some light on this. Again, thank you guys for for giving us this platform to talk like um, our um, Rich said. Um, again, like, I have a lot of respect for this whole organization since I came here. You know, coming from Atlanta and and Charlotte and hearing about Chattanooga, like, it's always been a you know one of those one of those things that you one of those teams that you want to play for, and it's just a great it's a great feeling to be here basically, and you know with that being said, um, the decision that took place um, yesterday regarding the game for today, um, it was a very heartfelt decision because you guys have to understand also that as professional athletes, we would we love playing in front of crowd especially after not playing in front of a crowd for almost how long now? A couple of months now? And, you know, being excited that, you know, our first home game, you know, crowd is going to be there, being able to put that jersey in front of everybody. And then, you know, and then with all these things taking place, it's a very heartfelt decision that we had to make. You know, we were already having these conversations, myself and... um and uh, Wilfred and Sean and Rich and, you know, we kind of all sat down already and had this, this conversation before even New Amsterdam decided to, to pull out. And again, we fully respect that. Fully. So fully respect that. If I, can, if I can jump in real quick. A lot of, a lot of teams made the decision that they, they weren't going to play the next game. We obviously wanted to play the next game fans in the stands for the first time in 2020, in part to send 
to use that platform to send the ma the message that we wanted to send. Can you can you guys talk a, a little bit about? I mean, aside from having fans for the first time, kind of why why you wanted to take that approach as opposed to maybe an outright cancellation. Um, I I think I think the reason why if I, I'm um, the reason why we wanted to do that is because there's no better way to really send a message when you live in the state of Tennessee where it is um, a very it's it's not it's it's a dominant white white state and a lot of people may not may not like what we're gonna say or may not like the message, but we are with with that message we might change somebody's perspective with people being the stands. Right. And so um and so I think that's why that's one that's part of the reason why a lot of a lot of us wanted to play is because we get to have fans and we, we get to have people in the stands and we get to really show them that hey this is what we're going through and this is what is happening and this is what you guys need to see that because a lot of people don't know what's happening in the world or in 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 the country then like most people don't know what happened in Wisconsin most people don't don't know about a lot of things because they just live within their little circle especially in this state and um so when if we get to step out there for a little bit and show them then they can actually see something cuz um for us we rep we represent this town and this is this is the perfect example for us to do that and show that hey we're here and we're we 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 stand with human rights and we're 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 going to be um I'm taking a fight for that uh just to piggyback off what uh Wilford said um I think again using our platform with you know having fans you know we can't take the approach you know with the WNBA MLB NBA where they're national, nationally televised. You know, they made a statement because it's nationally televised. We don't have, you know, ESPN or TNT or NBA TV at our games every day. So, you know, in a world, in a country where soccer is not popular, we have, you know, a message. We, we, we can take a stand by playing this game, you know, using a video, you know, letting the community hear our voices, hear our pain you know, as a team that, you know, we are a family, we are a brotherhood, and, you know, this is, this, this situation means a lot to us, you know, for myself, for Richard, for Will, for Colo, for Ryan, you know, we are family, and I think if the fans see that, you know, hearing our pain, hearing our numbness, I think that's what, you know, what we wanted to get out of playing the game, making the video, you know, using our voices because of, we don't have the same platform as the NBA stars, WNBA stars, baseball players, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and we fully, fully, 100% stand with uh, New Hampshire Dale for what they decided to do. We stand with them. We really and we support that. Um, if we if we were in if we were in their in their situation, we probably would have done. That. If we I think if we didn't have fans, it probably would have been the players would pro probably would have decided that hey, it's not it's, it's not the time to play right now. Because a lot of people are going through a lot of uh, um, trauma right now with with everything happening, but um, but right now we have the opportunity to play in front of fans. Not a lot of people get to do that, and so when so when that when that's given, you have to take advantage of it because um, I mean it's right there. You have to, um, and so like Rich said, like um, 
we 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 uh, we had the opportunity to reach over to, um, two thousand people, and um, and it was it was and now we can do that, but hopefully next the whenever the game resume again we can uh, we can uh, definitely do that. And you know, New Amsterdam wasn't the first team to actually make this decision. So, Correct. you know, supporting their decision, but we also support Detroit City FC and the Cosmos decision on not playing. And I think you know they Correct. they set the tone with making this decision and you know giving us this platform giving us you know today uh on this podcast you know hearing our voices you know letting chattanooga know and letting the world know you know this this is a big problem in america and we want the fans and the community of chattanooga to know that you know this is this is serious and hopefully they are behind us 100 percent. i can tell you we are we would have we supported whatever decision you wanted to make uh, and obviously, we, we would have liked to have been there tonight, but there's something very powerful about not being there tonight, too. Yeah, just going off of what Sean said, you know, we we come into we come into every day, day in, day out, giving the club 100% to make sure that we are able to entertain the whole town, the whole city, and represent them, represent the city to something that we believe in. <laughs> yeah, you see, the, she agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good endorsement. <laughs> but yeah, so in return, that's all we can possibly ask for from our own people is to also stand with us because on the field, we give them 100%. I kid you not, every single day I practice, we're giving you guys 100% from games to practice to whatever it is. So... This thing, it means a lot to us, basically. It's, it's a very, very, something that's very sentimental to us. Um, Richard Dixon here. So um, just wanted to clear that up real quick, you know, um, just so there's, there's, there's no gray area there and, and fans don't think that we just wanted to go out there and enjoy a game of football like we normally do on a Saturday. Um, you know, we saw the, the, the platform and we saw the opportunity and that's the approach that we were going to take. You know, Amsterdam, the Cosmos, Detroit, they, they took another approach not to play. Um, and we fully support that. Any team that decides to protest however they f please, we fully support it. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. Mm -hmm. The problem is still there. And as best as we can to come up with solutions, that's what we'll do, right? So let's talk about the issue of race, right? And before we even get to soccer and, 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 and race and soccer and in America, Let's talk about the issue of race and being black and being a, a minority in America, right? Um, as many of you know my story, and I'll start off by telling a little story that I haven't told before. Um, I shared it with my teammates for the first time yesterday, and it took a lot for me to share that. Um, many of you know that, um, you know, I'm an immigrant. I came over to the U.S. when I was 16 from Jamaica. Um, if any of you guys have, have been to Jamaica, you know that we're nothing but but just loving and caring and welcoming people, right? Peace, love, and unity, out of many one people, that's our motto. And so that's that's how I was raised. That's what I came out of. And if anybody anybody that has ever met me, um, if they have anything otherwise to say about me, then I, I apologize, right? Because that's all I know. But anyways, um, I'll tell a story that happened to me last year. Um, 
Many of you know that I was here playing, playing um, in Chattanooga. I ended up getting injured. I had to have surgery on my foot. Um, obviously, dealing with that and having uh, a pregnant wife of my, my daughter, who's now sitting here in my lap going nuts. <laughs> She's eight months. But, um, you know, so it was a tough time for me and an emotional time for me, dealing with an injury, dealing with surgery, you know, rehab and stuff like that. But I'll fast forward. Um, you know, one day going down to the Center for Sports Medicine, um, did my, my, my uh, sorry, my, my, my rehab, as I normally do every morning, 6 a.m., coming back by 8 to head to training um, at 9. So as I'm, as I'm driving back, I'm about, um, about three, four miles from home. Um, I see an unmarked police vehicle uh, going the opposite direction from me. Then, at that light, just swerved around, started following me, right, for three miles. Every, every stoplight I stopped, they stop. Every turn I turn, they turn. Every, everywhere I went, they went. They literally followed me all the way home. At this time, I was living um, on the campus of UTC right there on Vine Street. So anyways, not paying any mind, right? Um, you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I go about my day, you know, try to do a little bit of good every day, try to improve the community and the people around me. So I've never run into any issues before with the police, not that I've done anything. Um, to do so, so I'm no no stress, just going about my day. So, anyways, I'm now about to pull into the parking lot um, of my apartment building, and out of nowhere, I see the unmarked police vehicle just take off. Right, I say, okay, this guy stopped following me. Thank God. Literally two seconds later, I see cop cars out of every direction, right, left, front, back, six cop cars. Right, comes up, turns their light on. I turn into the parking lot that's opposite my building, they all s surrounded me in a circle, jumped out of their cars, guns drawn, pointed at me, right? Get out of your vehicle with your hands in the air, walk, 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 walk towards us. And you can imagine what's going through my head at this point, right? I have a pregnant wife sitting in the building that's 100 feet across from the parking lot that if the building was angled towards the parking lot, I'm thinking my wife with my, with my, is that's pregnant with my child right now, could be witnessing me getting gunned down in the street for no reason, right? And not to not to draw it out, you know, we we went back and forth because at this point, like, I'm nervous, I'm scared, like there's a bunch of emotions going through my head. Um, so you know, trying to use my words, um, trying to understand what's going on. Why why did have you guys pulled me over? Like, why do you guys all have guns pointed at me? And why are you asking me to get out of my uh, get out of my car? to walk out towards you when you're hiding behind your car with guns pointed. That doesn't make any sense. Um, anyways, you know, one cop got aggressive, started telling me to, to, to shut the hell up, you know, and just do, do as I'm told, um, you know, and got really aggressive. That went on for about five minutes. Then another cop that was in my uh, front left, you know, he, he started to explain to me that, you know, my car came up in a suspected homicide. Uh, whatever that means, right? So anyways, we started talking, going back and forth, and then, um, you know, he de-escalated the situation a, a little bit. I got out of my car, um, just stood right by my hood. Um, then he walked towards me, I walked towards him. Um, everybody still has guns drawn, right? And I'll go, I just, I'll fast forward to the end of it. The situation ended with 
the police chief coming out, you know, they went into their little huddle um, and talked about whatever, then came up to me, you know, apologized, wrong guy, wrong car, yada, yada, yada. But that doesn't change the fact that literally five minutes ago, I thought that my life was going to end. I thought that I wasn't going to make it upstairs to my wife who's pregnant with my child, right? For what reason, right? Just for being a black guy driving down the street, right? And so it ended up, right, the, 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 me and the cop, we, we had a conversation about a 15, 20-minute conversation after, you know, and just me expressing myself and just expressing why I acted the way I act, you know, because I was, I was fearful for my life. Like, I don't have a gun. Like, I've never held a gun my whole life, right? And I have six guns pointed at me for no reason, right? I don't have a gun. I'm wearing athletic gear at this point. I'm wearing short shorts and a shirt like I'm about to play a soccer game, right? And I have six guns pointed at me. How do I pose a threat, right, to six grown men behind their vehicles pointing guns at me? How, how am I the threat? Right. And so anyways, you know, we talked and I explained myself. He explained himself, you know, the whole issue of black men getting shot down in the streets like dog came up. And, you know, the way he explained it was, well, we don't know if you had a weapon on you, you know, so we have to protect ourselves first. So I'm looking at it as. OK, you have to protect yourself because you don't you don't know if I have a weapon on me. How do I protect myself? Right. How do I protect myself? I can't sit in my car. I can't use my words because you have guns pointing at me, yelling at me, screaming, telling me to get out of my car. Are you going to come yank me out? So that's the question I pose. How do I protect myself? Right? Other people are not as lucky as I was, right? To walk away with it. We, see, we all see the videos. We, we all see the videos on social media where these people are not doing anything, right? You got a 12-year-old boy with a toy gun. Cop rolls up, asks no question, just starts shooting, right? A guy that's sleeping in his car because he was too drunk to drive home. Cops shows up, asks him all these questions just to get something to put him in handcuffs. Ends up, he loses his life, right? A man that's walking home and he's wearing a mask in the middle of a pandemic ends up getting gunned down in the middle of the street. Like, how are these people posing a threat, right? You know, we, we see videos every day of people of other race, you know, talking to police and treating the police however they please, you know, putting hands on police, taking cop cars, driving away, hitting cops with their own, uh, you know, their, their, their own weapons. But they end up getting a slap on the wrist, right? And so that's the issue that we want to talk about here today. That's the, the question that we want to raise, right? And like I asked my teammates yesterday, okay, we all know what the issue is. Everybody knows what the issue is, but what can we do, right? What can we do to change it? And so I just wanted to share that story with everybody because at the end of the day, um, we're not exempt. Nobody's exempt from it, right? Because we're all sitting here professional athletes, right? We get to play on, 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 on live stream or the, our, our TV every weekend. We're not exempt from it. Right? It doesn't matter how much money you make. You're not exempt from it. It doesn't matter your social status. You are not exempt from it. Right? I thought I, I, I thought I never set a foot wrong my entire life. Right? But then in, at the end of it, I was sitting there 100 feet from my home with my pregnant wife, 
just coming from therapy, just doing all the right things I, I, that I, I've always done my entire life, and I thought I was going to lose my life. And it's now to this day, every time I'm driving down the street and I see a cop car going the opposite way or parked on the side of the road or pull up behind me, I fear for my life. Yep, I fear for my life. I have that feeling in my gut that, man, what if this happens again and that cop is having a bad day, right? What if this happens again and I wasn't on the campus of UTC where there were numerous students walking by and looking, right? And there were multiple civilians walking by and looking what's going on over there. What if I'm driving, you know, just in the middle of nowhere and I get pulled over and the cop is just not having a, having a good day and I end up like somebody that we see on the news every day. I have those thoughts every time I see a cop car pull up behind me. Every time I see a cop car going the opposite way, every time I see a cop car parked on the side of the road. So I just wanted to share that story with you guys and that's why we're here. Thank you, man. Um, Matt passed me a question here. Uh, we mentioned your daughter who's sitting here on your lap. Uh, very, very cute, just rambunctious little, little girl. Um, at, obviously, this was before, the story you just told was before uh, being a father. And I'm curious, uh, has your perspective on everything we're going to talk about today changed after becoming a father? Yeah, I mean, drastically, you know. Now, every time I leave the house to go to training, or I leave the house to go to the grocery store, or I leave the house to go to the gym. Every time I leave the comfort of my own home and I leave my wife and my daughter at home, my only thought is I send one prayer, right? Just to go out and do what, I, what, what, what I'm meant to do and one pr another prayer to get home safe to them, right? And so it's changed drastically. Not because I, 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 I wouldn't be careful in things that I do because it's the, that's who I am, but because of that experience, right? It's like, I never know when somebody's gonna have a bad day, right? I never know when somebody is gonna, is gonna, is gonna have issues at home or whatever, you know, they're going through their emotional thing and they decide that, you know, we, we've seen it. I, I don't wanna get too graphic, but those are the things that I think about. Um, you know, when you, when, when you talk about, and it will get to that, but when we, a lot of people want to bring up, bring up the point of, well, black people kill black people every day. Well, yes, white people kill white people every day, right? At the end of the day, we sit, we sitting here, we 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 sign a social contract, right? That we're gonna come on this podcast and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna follow the rules, right? We're gonna keep things PG, so on and so forth. We set those grounds verbally, socially, right? We didn't sign a legal binding document to serve and protect. Does that make sense? So at the end of the day, the issue is there that the people that we put in place to serve and protect us, right? They're serving and protecting just only some particular people, right? So how can we change that is the question. So, so that, that, that's it for me. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, just what Richard said, you know, um, you know, we all know Richard, you know, he's a, his personality, you know, he's a good person. He means well, you know, he's like, everyone likes him. And, you know, I think for something like that to happen to him and to still be here is, you know, by the grace of God, you know, it, it's, it's truly amazing. And you don't, you don't see that everywhere. You know, you, I think right now we are given, you know, with this pandemic, you know, it's, it's tough, but, 
with with this pandemic happening, it it forces everyone to listen because you can't go anywhere. All you can do is watch the news. You see everything. So it forces people to listen. It forces people to learn and to educate themselves on what's going on in this country on the systemic racism amongst the black community. And, you know, Jalen Brown said it of the Boston Celtics, just like all cops aren't bad, all black people are not bad. I am not a bad person. My, the color of my skin should not be, the, should be a threat to anybody. And that's the issue. And, you know, you take the, the most recent event with Jacob Blake, you know, getting gunned down, seven shots in his back in front of his three kids. He's alive, he's paralyzed, but not a threat. George Floyd, eight minutes, 46 seconds, knee on his neck. Ahmaud Arbery, going for a run. Breonna Taylor, sleeping. Tamir Rice, 12 years old, toy gun. Trayvon Martin. These, these, these people have lost their lives for, for one reason, because they're black. I shouldn't have to fear for my life every day when I wake up. I don't have kids like Richard, but when I do, I shouldn't have to fear for their life. And this is the problem that we are having, and this is what we want everyone to know, that to listen, to learn, to educate, go read. Social media, everything is not what it seems to be on social media. It's not true every time. So go read, you know, educate yourselves. I'm still learning about, you know, black history. Right now, I'm still educating myself. So what we want, you know, for people to do, white people, educate yourselves. You know, use your voice. I can only do so much. As white people, I think they have to use their voice because when people see that, if you look at this country, it's, it's built on racism. It's, it's money and power. This is what this country's built on. And there's rich white people at the top of this. Black Lives Matter movement, it's, it's, it's not just for all black lives, you know, all lives do matter, but until my life matters, that's what the movement's about. Yeah. We, we're, we're asking for equality. You know, this has been happening for years, you know, for years. We, slavery, it's 400 plus years of my people's, you know, pain and numbness, and it's still going, still going on. The new slavery right now, it's, it's prison. It's prison, and, and if you look at the numbers, it's, it's, it, it's, it forces you know, people within the system. It, it, so Richard said, black on black crime. Yes, black on black crime is happening, but if you, you look at where these black people are placed and you know, run down areas because th they have been forced to live in these areas, but the 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 issue is that walking down the street i shouldn't get looked at a different way than you than you than you than anyone else and i think that's that's what everyone has to start learning and listening but hey Sean you know i'm going to be uh, i'm going to be like the other side of this 
Uh, what if? Uh, uh, but he was a criminal. Um, he had he had he had sexual. He was this, uh, he was sexual abusing somebody else. Or you hear um, um, he wasn't complying with the cops. How many times have you heard that one before? Hear it every time. So yeah. let me ask you this, Will. Um, so just because somebody, let's say, does something wrong, right, or air quotes commits a crime. Does that warrant them losing their life, right, right away? That's the question, right? right? So, for instance, okay, he was he was selling loose cigarettes. Does that warrant him losing his life, right? He wasn't complying with the cops. Does that warrant him losing his life? And those are the questions that I'm glad you brought that up. Well, those are the questions that people need to ask, right? Because it's easy. It's easy to say maybe he should have complied. Maybe you've never been in those situations. How many, how many, how, how many of you sitting here, Matt, Weezy, Ryan, that's sitting here, how many of you have, have, have been pulled over with six guns pointed at you? Never. Never. Right? I've been pulled over a lot of times, and I've never six been. Six guns pointed at yeah. you. No questions asked, no nothing. Just get out of your car with your hands, with your hands um, in the air and walk, toward, walk towards us. I'll go, I'll go one step further. I've been, I've been in the car uh, when my mom was pulled over once, and we were in a very nice, well above our station type, type neighborhood at the time, I myself have never been pulled over in all my years of driving. And, and I, I, I think for me, I 100% recognize that if, if I was black, there's absolutely no chance I would be able to say that. I drove, I drove for three days or four days just this past week with a with a, a busted or a, a, a burned out headlight, had no idea for how long I was actually doing that before, uh, until it was pointed out. If I was black, my my question and my thought is like driving by. I, I drove by two cop cars one night with a with a headlight that was out, and I and I was like watching my rear view to see if I was going to get pulled over, but I I didn't like I've. And, and I, can't, I can't wonder, I can't help but wonder, if I was black, would they not have pulled, used that as an excuse to pull me over? And it's not just getting pulled over as well, right? It's what happens when you get pulled over. And, 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 and that's the big thing. Like, I'm fine with getting pulled over, right? I'm fine with getting pulled over. Here's my license. Here's my registration. Anything else I can do for you, right? I'm fine with that. You're doing your job. You're checking on things, right? But... And I'm not just using my situation as an example because I consider myself fortunate, right? I'm able to sit here with you guys today and share my story. There's people that are, weren't as lucky as, as I am, right? And so how can we minimize that and how can we stop that happening? What's the problem? What's the root cause of the issue? Why, why does that happen time after time, year after year, week after week, especially in, the, in, a, global, in a global pandemic, right? You know, I'm, I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Uh, growing up, have your parents ever, ever had a conversation with you when you're when, when you guys are getting ready to drive? Have your parents ever sat you down and talk and have the talk about a cop pulling you over? 
when you say the talk, do you mean like so, don't get pulled over? So or for us, no, literally, there's a, a sp- there, like there's, they're getting there, a separate talk just because like of their spe- skin color. Specific talk. So for us, it's called DWB, driving white black. So there's a talk for uh, like when you get pulled over, this is what you need to do. Your hands goes on the on on the wheels. Your driver's license, if it's in anywhere, if it's in your pocket, make sure when you're driving, even before you get in the car, when you're driving, make sure your license is visible. Make sure you don't you you cannot you don't reach for anything in the glove compartment. Make sure you're not reaching for anything when they come in. Your hands is on the wheel. Ten and two. The the window you 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 crack the window down a little bit. Whatever they tell you, you tell them if I if you're if you're reaching for anything, I am taking my right hand. I am putting it here. I'm grabbing this, and your hand. One one hand is always visible. No, that's a very different talk than I got. So for us, those that for me, that's the kind of conversation that I had. That's the kind of conversation that Rich, Sean, Coloco, he they're gonna have with their kids that I'm gonna have with my kids. And that is this, that is that is that that's those are the conversations that we should never have to have with our ch- with, with with our children. Sure. It's almost like the cop is on edge just because they see that they're black. Like they think that there's a higher chance or something that they have like a weapon or they could be in a dangerous situation. But it's literally them just judging. It's like premeditated judgment of what just because of the person just because of their skin color. It's just profiling. Right, yeah. literally. Yeah. But you see but Sean, if 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 him and I were totally different, we're he he's he's a big Black man, you can't miss this guy. You him and I, him and I go somewhere else. <laughs> him and I go somewhere. You can spot you. You will spot you will spot Sean from you will spot Sean. But like, and I mean, as, if this if if this guy was like wearing a like wearing a sleeveless shirt, and a cop rolled up to him and he sees Sean this big and he's in there, he, he's intimidated. He, he's scared. He's afraid. He's afraid. He's but like, if he sees me, if he sees me, he's 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 probably gonna be scared. But not not as uh, as scared as he would be if he, if he saw Sean, and that is the craziest thing that like that he has to go through. The right away when a cop cars when a cop sees him, it's like they're afraid because oh, it's this oh, it's this big black guy, and um, it's it's possible that he might have a weapon or he might do this, he might do that. Yeah, it might be possible, but it, it's also possible that. Anybody has a weapon, no matter the color of your skin. Exactly. Right? And so you, you you hear it all the time after the fact, right? Mm. Oh, I, I feared for my life. I thought my life my life was in was in danger. And I think I I think that's a part of the job, right? So what where in in the contract does it say that if it's a black guy, you should approach the car with your hand already on your weapon, right? Because uh, you see it all the time. You see it all the time. You roll your windows down and you see the cop approaching your car with hands on weapon, right? Like treating you like, like, like a threat. And so if you already come with that preconceived notion that this person that you're pulling over, he could possibly threaten your life, most likely any movement that that, that, that person make, you're going to think it's, it's, he's reaching for something. And so you're going to defend yourself. Right, and so it's it, it, uh, in my opinion, I think it's a mentality, right? It's a mentality, and it's it's just it's a way of Sean said it best. Like my black skin shouldn't be a threat. 
right? So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I am as a person. It doesn't matter what I believe in. It doesn't matter what I've done or what I stand for as a human being. The color of my skin is looked at first. I can't change the color of my skin, right? I didn't choose to be black. I can't change it. It's who I am, right? And so if that's a threat, if that's a threat to, 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 to society and to somebody's life, then I guess what everybody's saying that to be black is, is to be a threat to everybody else. The, the system in America is designed for black people to fail. It's designed for black people to fail. And I, you know, I've heard stories of other cops, you know, you always want to say, why didn't the other cop do anything? They're, they're watching this. Why didn't they say anything? Why did they stand up? If they stand up, to any sort of injustice or anything like that to a minority or to a person of color or to a black person, they lose their job. They lose their job. And the police system, it's a brotherhood, but again, they, they have, you know, their preconceived notions to go out and find a petty crime to target a black person. It's the smallest crime. They find it, they pick at it, and they run with it. And they use it to their advantage. And it's, again, it's, it's a system failed, it's a system designed for black people to fail. And again, I'm, I'm an educated black person. You know, I have my undergrad, I graduated four years of college, I'm getting my master's. But if you look at me, any per and if any white person looks at me, closed-minded, they don't think that. They automatically just assume that I'm a thug, you know, that I do drugs, sort of thing. Or, you know, you speak proper for a black person. Wait, you don't see, you speak, wait, you, you, you speak, you speak, you speak, you speak well for a black person. How many times have you heard that one? <laughs> I've heard it all my life. I mean, I, 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 I went to a private school. I went to a predominantly white school. I can't change that, you know, I've, I, my parents wanted me to have a good education, you know. Me being black or me talking a certain way does not mean anything at the end of the day. You know, I, Ryan could talk different from me, but he's not judged the way he talks, you know. Of course. It's, and it's, it's sad because I have to, you know, walk a certain way, look a certain way for me to, even look apart from society in America. And it just goes back to what we were talking about a little bit before, just like the mistreatment of people of color. And what one thing that I think white people need to realize is that when this whole movement, they just want, everyone wants things to be equal. Like they're not asking for special treatment. This is, they're just asking for stuff to be equal. And white people need to realize that it's not going to take anything away from them. Like, they just want every, they just want to have the same opportunities that you do. And that's, it's, it, like, that's just fair. Like, that's just how our world should be. And I don't understand how 
people can't realize that. I think that people think, and I'm not defending it, but I think for whatever reason, a lot of white people, myself, like that look just like me, that maybe think like me, maybe with good intentions, somehow feel like it's a zero-sum game when it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. When more rights for someone else somehow means less rights for you, that's that's not what people are asking for. Yeah. Like the Black Lives Matter movement, the the movement for equality isn't a movement against anyone. It's a movement of equality to bring everyone up to the same standard. And Am I speaking out of turn here? Yeah, I mean, just you, you're not wrong. It's like any movement that's been happening, it's, it's not saying, okay, we want to be better than all of you, so we need, this, we need this movement to happen. All they're saying is that we want to have equal rights, the same, the same rights, same opportunities, same love, same everything. We want to be treated just as everyone will. The, the, the Women's March... The LG, I'm sorry if I'm not saying the right terms for the LGBTQ, all all of that, the Black Lives Matter, all of it. All all they're trying all they're trying to say is that we want to have the equal rights. We want to be able to walk out and and not be looked different uh, from, to uh, other people. Like like Will said, you know, like he just said, like oh, like we've all been saying, it's not just us. You understand? It's a thing about having, um, I guess, justice. We're just looking for justice. We're looking for equality, like, as we've all been saying. Also in the Hispanic community also, I want to speak for them also because I have a very close connection with a lot of them, you know, especially growing up in Atlanta, in a, you know, in a Latin environment and everything. And I've seen the struggles that they have to go through because of them being Latino, you know? They had to go through similar stuff that we had to go through as being colored men, you know. And I also wanted to shed some light onto that also that they're not forgotten. Like, we are with them too, just like they're with us. You know, we actually are standing up for them also. Like, we, like they will stand for us because, again, at the end of the day, we all just want justice and we all want equality in between all groups. Yeah, this is about social injustice for all people of color, not... And that no one should be judged for the color of their skin, exactly. but for right. the content of their character, right? Exactly. exactly. And, you know, just what Colo said, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not publicly, it's not out there in the media with, you know, the Hispanic community. You know, you have kids being taken away from their families. You have, you know, say you, you, you talk about the border being closed and things like that, building a wall. You know, that, that, that you know, again, it, it's, it's wrong. You know, you have kids being snatched away from their parents, you know, put in cages, you know, going through so much as at a young age that they shouldn't be going through. And it's it's sad. And, you know, what, you know, from Rich, what Rich said, using our platform, what can we do? And it just we're asking for change. You know, it, it starts and I believe it starts in the classroom. You know, it starts in the education system sort of thing. It, you know, we're not getting taught about slavery. It's it's again it's it's a very it's on the surface. You don't you don't get taught these things. The education system has they they don't want kids to learn about the the wrongdoing of another uh, person of color sort of thing of, of you know black people. 
you know, you, 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 we talk about Martin Luther King, barely. You know, we talk about slavery, barely. Or we talk about MLK and only uh, part of what he says. Part of what he <laughs> says, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, well, as white people, what, you know, I'll speak for white people for a second. We talk about what makes us comfortable as white people. Right. And maybe we, we leave out uh, the, the more radical things, quote unquote, that he says, or the things that, you know, maybe don't support our argument when, when people try to use MLK uh, quotes to, to keep people, keep black people in general down. You know, don't, don't protest. Don't whatever. Here's an MLK quote that supports my, you know, sorry. But, uh, I mean, people, when people, when people talk about MLK, they like, oh, but, you know, this one we like Martin Luther King because he was very peaceful and he, he wanted to do the march. But then it's like, okay, you said he was peaceful. When he was, when, when he was on the peaceful march, you got mad. When he was, when he was protesting peacefully, you got mad. And arrested and, him. And arrested him. And you killed him. But then people were like, but MLK was all about peace. Like, but he also said that a riot is, uh, is the voice of the unheard. And so, uh, and so when, when you see people uh, out there rioting, I mean, I don't, con- I, don't, I don't approve of it, but it is the voice of the unheard. When people haven't been heard for so long, it's like, what else do you want them to do? They march, you get mad. You, you throw uh, tear gas at them. Okay, they 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 take a knee. You get mad and you and you call them SOBs. Um, it's like there's no winning with any of this, and you tell them, oh, find a different platform to 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 take a knee. But what else? Like, what other platform do you want them to do to use? Like, the the only platform that us athletes we know is that the place that we play, it's the field, the the basketball court. And and um and so and so yeah, going off for uh, MLK, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, and um, you know, <laughs> you just brought up a, a, a lot of very good points. Well, you know, when you look at, like, we can't be selective of you know, what sort of injustice or what we think is injustice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, okay, you take a knee. People get mad, but then a guy, a, 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 a man, gets a knee on his neck for eight minutes and forty-six seconds, and people want to come up with excuses, right? You know, he he had a fake, a counterfeit twenty-dollar bill. He was selling loose cigarettes, all this stuff. So it warrants him losing his life. And so, you know, it's 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 the problem is there, and I think we're not open enough. I think we're not open enough to have these conversations, which I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm so glad we're sitting here, right? Because I think these conversations are not being had um, often enough, right? And they're not going deep enough so people can really understand that just because you don't see it, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because it's never happened to you, that doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't exist and that people haven't lost their lives over it and people's lives haven't been changed, right? Uh, forever, you know? Um, So it's happening, right? But how can you change it? I think the first thing, you know, is educating yourself, like Sean said. Um, You know, go, go. If you really go and you dig into the history, I promise you, you'll find some disturbing things, right? We talk about history of America. We talk about black history, right? Black people aren't, you didn't just go find them on the West Coast of Africa as savages and brought them over here to work the land. That's not it, right? The Christopher Columbus uh, history that they teach us in, 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 in the classroom, right? Let's change that narrative because we know it, it's all false. 
right? So how can we go and study and, and, and really, really look up and dig deep of why this country was started and how it was started, right? And that's the only way we'll understand of why we're in the place that we are today, right? And we can only drive change if we understand the history and we understand why we are here, right? In the, in, 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 when you look at all the great men that fought for our rights, Marcus Garvey, right? Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, what were they asking for? Human rights. They weren't asking to be better than, than another race. They weren't asking to, 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 they were asking for just basic human rights, right? The right to wake up every day, go to work, raise your family, and just be left alone, right? Just basic human rights. The right to provide food for, for, for your family, put food on the table, to wake up, and just thank God for health, strength, and daily bread, and to, to build your community. Those are the rights that these men were asking for. But what happened, right? They, 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 they got, I mean, at the end, they all, got, they all got murdered for it, right? So we're not having those conversations that every time these, the, the, these men and these movement, they come about, the media makes them, makes them up to be, to, 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 to be vigilantes, right? Make, mm -hmm. Makes them out to, to, to be these, 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 these crazy people that want these outrageous things. And it's not that. And so I think if we can just educate ourselves a little bit, you know, myself included, you know, because you can never have too much knowledge. You can never learn too much. So go dig deep. Have conversations. If you're a white person, have conversations with your black friend, right, or with a person of color. And just try to understand more what they're going through on a daily basis. Understand, try to understand how you can help them, right? Because like, like Will said, you know, in, I think white people have, have a unique voice, right? To where whenever a, a, a white person speak, people listen, right? On the contrary, if, you know, a lot of people are going to sit here and, uh, and listen to this podcast and they're, you know, some people are going to say, man, these guys, whatever. But there's going to be a few people out there that get the message. And that's what counts, right? is just trying to affect change one person at a time. And how do, we, how do we change? How do we start? We can't change anything that happened in Wisconsin, but we can change things that happen here in this room. We can change things that happen with CFC, us as players. We can change things that happens in Chattanooga, right, with the community. And that's where we start, from the inside out. So, and so talking about inside out, um, and, and obviously we're here as a team, right? You guys are here as a team to, to talk. How do you handle these issues in conversations? When talking about education, you know, Ryan's here. Ryan's white. If anyone who can't see this room, which is all of you, like <laughs> Ryan's the only white player here, um, and Matt and I are white as well. Um, you know, how as a team do you guys handle these conversations and this education? Because I'm, I'm assuming that uh, not all ignorance is found outside of the locker room, and, and I'm curious how how you guys handle that as a team. I think I think it's it's just listening to one another, you know? Like we just had a conversation yesterday for about three hours. You know, no one expected it to be that long, but it was a good conversation because, you know, you heard, you heard stories, you heard the pain, you know? And I think it's, it's just listening to one another, hearing, you know, hearing each other's views, you know, disagreeing, having, the, having these dialogues, you know, going back and forth, agreeing, disagreeing, because at the end of the day, that's the only way people are gonna listen and, you know, and learn and affect change by having these conversations, being uncomfortable. You know that it, I don't know how more uh, how simple it can be. It's just you're going to have to be uncomfortable in these times. You know, as white people, you're going to have to ha be uncomfortable talking about race. You know, 
can you say the word black? You know, can you say the word black? It's not going to offend me. You know, can you... Without whispering it? Exactly. You know, can you say the word black without, you know, cringing? You know, not African-American. Black. Black. You know, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a hard word. Yeah, can you share with... Because uh, I think there are a lot of people who are afraid to offend, maybe with good intentions, but, you know, they feel like they see a lot of things in the media, right? There's a million acronyms out there. There's a million whatever. And I'm curious, maybe you can set a few, pe few people straight on, on what offends maybe you personally or not in terms of use of terms. Black versus African-American, just like what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think, again, I think it's... So when you when you say the, when you, the difference between African American and black, you know, to me, I think it's black is a more of a it's 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 worldwide. I believe I, I think it's it's a better use than African American to me, honestly, because if you if you use the word black again, like I said this is a black this is not a black and white thing, but right now it is, you know, it's. A physical description. Yes. Of the of someone. Yes. But I mean, to me, that's that's what it, black. I think it's it's a proper word to use. It's like I said, it's not going to offend me. You know, I just I don't want white people to feel that you're offending me by saying you know black. You know, it, it, it's not. Don't cringe when you say it. It's not going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> no, I, you know that you're black. I know that. You know what I mean? We wake up every morning and see ourselves in the mirror like, yo, I'm black. Like, it is what it is. You don't have to cringe. You don't have to, like, you don't have to tiptoe around the word black. Again, Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. I mean, like... In the, I, I think I think the reason why we're still having these conversations, we're still going through all this, is because... For the longest time, I think white people are not ready to be uncomfortable. And when they are, when they are uncomfortable, they're ready to switch, switch everything and switch the topic and move, and move past it. With, and, and, and right now, it's a very uncomfortable time for a lot of white people. And when, when you are ready, when, you, when a, a white person is ready to be uncomfortable, that's when I know that we're making change. That's when I know we are moving forward. We're going forward because for you guys right now, this is prob this is probably like not this is probably not your 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 comfortable comfortable uh, thing that you usually talk about. It's probably it's probably very uncomfortable uncomfortable for y'all. But yeah. you're taking this moment as an educational moment for you to 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 because there's no better way to know about what's happening or know about how. A black person is feeling, then to ask a black person, "How are you feeling? How are, how how are you going through this?" And there's no better way for my teammate Ryan to be here and 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 know what I'm going through. There's no better way for any of my teammates that are white to know what we're going through, to know about the the trauma that we're facing, than to hear it from us, than to uh, than to know that they they're very privileged and that they need to use their privilege. And that's the uncomfortable uh, topic that white people don't want to hear and that, that they're privileged. Nobody's saying that, oh, you're privileged because uh, you have money or you have that. You're just privileged because of your skin color. You, can, you and I can walk somewhere else and a cop or, or somebody will look at you. Uh, we, we can walk on the same street, right? A white person is not going to grab their back, a white lady's not gonna grab her back and hold it tight with her uh, because you're walking next to her. 
you can get in an elevator. A white person's not gonna, a white lady's not gonna hold her back and turn her back like this and hold her back a little tighter. But the moment that I start to walk on the street, a white person might end up going to the other side of the street because they see a black person coming. Or if I if I walk in the elevator and the white lady have her purse like this, she might bring it in front of her because she sees a black person gets in the elevator. And that's the uncomfortable conversation. That's the uncomfortable topic that people white white people don't want to talk about. That the fact that they're privileged. Let, let, let's talk about um, this. What 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 is white privilege? You know what is white privilege? You know that's what you have to ask yourself. Do you, as a white person, do you fear for your life? Do you wake up every day when a cop gets behind you? Does your heart jump out of your chest? Do you clinch when a cop gets behind you? When you get stopped, are you praying that you don't get killed? That's what right, white privilege is. Or when you uh, write your name on, a, on a, um, a resume and you turn it into a job, your name might be different from, if, when they hear Sean and they hear Matt, I guarantee you they're probably gonna, uh, they're probably gonna uh, put Sean's uh, resume under and uh like even another like just any other name like Darius or just something something not off not normal like a normal white person named like literally like Matt or something or Sean but under oh, under yeah. Sean except like Sean is a white person's name as well but under Sean when you check that box the ethnicity yes what are you checking what are they looking at yes you know african american black than white, then that's that's the comparison at that point. Cause Sean's is a white person's name, but now you again, you check, you go down the boxes. All right, check, black. Mm. One thing, one thing I do want to say also to answer your your question. Um, the question was like, how were we able to come together and talk about this topic as a team? Like I told them yesterday in the room. At the end of every session, we always do like, you know, one, two, three, family, right? And I told them, every single one of you guys, I don't look at you guys as colors. Once I sign a contract to come to this team, you guys are my family because I see you guys more than I see my own people. So you guys are my brothers. And again, in family, there's no such thing as a perfect family without having conflict. You are gonna have disagreements in family. I can. Every single family has to have a disagreement, otherwise it's not a family. Yep. Now, once you have these type of uncomfort, like Will said, uncomf uncomfortable conversations, it can either do two things. Either it makes the family stronger or it makes the family weaker. But us as a whole, we chose to make it stronger. We actually said to each other that this is not going to divide us. Because, again, this time period right now is trying to divide us. In order to use this time period right now, we have to come together as one. Correct. Now, going off of what Sean said also, whenever we go to apply for a job and we put our name and then we put ethnicity, what if we take out the ethnicity box? Would things still be the same? Like, is it going to be, is it now going to be a level ground for a job application now? For example, Maybe private businesses, that's one thing they can start off by doing, taking out the ethnicity box to show that, hey, we don't care about your race. Take it out. 
We apply normally. We send in our resume, everything. And now, let's see. Equal ball game. Who are you going to pick now? Are you going to go off of ethnicity or just solely off of the person's resume and their character once you interview them? Or let's say if you do keep the ethnicity box, right? But you still show up at that company and it's 99% one race, right? We're black or white, whatever, right? There's no diversity, right? So I think that's a problem too, right? There's, you look in certain companies and, 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 and certain industries around the US and there's no diversity whatsoever. So the ethnicity boxes are there, but what are they there for? Are they there to divide or are they there to actually bring equality and diversity um, to those companies. Yeah, very well. That's also a very good point, Rich, because, like you said, diversity. Um, we know very well that there's, <laughs> at, the t at the high level, it's very hard to have a black person reach up there. That's the simple fact, and that's the truth that's going on over here in America, because I can tell you that I have my auntie or my uncle who has been trying to strive in the business world, but they're not able to move on. I can tell you about my own personal brother. He's an engineer. He graduated from Georgia Tech. You know, he was working in a company for a long time, but he was not given the work that he's supposed to be getting for his caliber. I don't want to say that it's because of his, you know, his skin color, but I'm pretty sure it played a big part in it because it's it's a very it's very it's a very famous one. It's a very famous um engineering company. He never moved up. You know, he moved up a little bit. You know, they always promised him, like, yeah, you know, we will do this, this, and this, but it never happened. Eventually, he was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. He went away. He went somewhere else where he was more appreciated and started to have more diversity on the board. And, um, you know, just to say that, again, not everybody is bad. Not the whole entire white race is bad. Not the whole entire black race is bad. When you see us, we don't want you to look at us as a problem or a threat. It's not all of us. Look at us as equals. Just look at us as equal. A hundred percent. Try I mean, to get to know us. For sure. Like I grew up like I grew up with white families. Like I grew up in East Tennessee. And if you know anything about East Tennessee, not too many black folks. Not too many <laughs> black folks. All right. Not too many black folks. The school that I went to, not too many black folks, all right? And um, played soccer, not too many black folks, all right? And I was probably on, <laughs> on my travel team my first year. I think, there was, like, I think I was probably the only black, black, black kid on the team. And uh, knew, knew at that time. And most of my friends are white. And so I got closer with their family. My family couldn't afford to... to uh, to pay for soccer because in this country, playing soccer is a privilege. Um, compared to other places in the world where playing soccer is a lifestyle. But here in this country, playing, being, being on a travel team is a privilege. And uh, you don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of, there's a reason why there's not a lot of inner city kids or, 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 or people of color that are playing soccer uh, at, that, at that travel level because they can't afford it. And so I, have a lot of white families, a lot of white uh, parents that have taken me into their homes and, and uh, accepted me as, as one of their, their kids. Currently, I stay with one of, my, uh, one of my friends that I grew up with, their family in Chattanooga, and they're white. And so 
for them, like, like, like what Cole is saying is that not every white people are, are terrible, like these guys have said, because I can tell you my experience with uh, white people, I don't have the same experience that other people, have, other black people have had exactly. about, about being pulled over by a cop, right? I've never, I've never had to deal with that before. Yep. Um, I've never had to deal with uh, too many racist people white people because I've, I mean, I lived with them and I, and, and that was what I grew up with. And, um, and that not every black people are bad. Um, we're there. We're well-educated as well. And so it's, 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 uh, and it's the same with not every cop is bad. Right. right? And we're not saying, we're not saying that we don't like the cops. I love the cops. They have their job. Their job is to protect us. Yep. And, when they're not doing their job, it becomes a problem. They they wear that uniform for eight hours. I wear this 24 hours, wake up the next morning, and I'm still black. They wake up the next morning, they're not wearing that uniform. They don't go to sleep with that uniform. They get to take it off. And so that and so that's 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 the that's the issue that people up or not understand is like when they say talk about blue life matter or black life matter is that yeah, blue life matter. Of course, all of us matter. White coats matter. Uh, people, people that people that wear, it, like every job matter. But at the end of the day, you get to go home and take that off. We get to go home. We can shower. We can scrub. We can do all of that. I'm still gonna come out black. I'm gonna be black for twenty four seven. For the rest of your life. For the rest of my life. <laughs> and to your to your point, well, with you know. When when the Black Lives Matters movement came out, before that, there was no such thing as Blue Lives Matter. So, where did that where did that come from? You know, what what is Blue Lives Matter? There was also no such thing at the time as All Lives Matter. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, so 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 it it's the black that offends people, is is what uncomfortable, uncomfortable. The word black is offensive to yes. me. So again, so. That is what I challenge to my white friends, to the white community, is the word black should not offend you. It should not offend any anyone. What, what, why? Then So then black is, it's a color. It's in the dictionary. White is in the dictionary. So there should be no fear associated with the word black. black. But, look, hey, but look up the word black in the dictionary. Look up the word black in the dictionary and then look up the word white in the dictionary and you will see the big difference in the definition of a white and black. And then now, now you know, you, you see everything on social media. You see, you know, the Karens of the world sort of thing. And then you see these people saying that's offensive to people. Karen is just like using the N-word. Explain that, please. Like, what, how, how is me calling you not out by your name, but describing your, what black people have been described their whole lives, the N-word. How is you, me calling you Karen offend you? Does How Karen have 400 years of slavery attached? Exactly. Right. You know, we're just she has giving a, you a name. She has we're, a full million we, views. We see, your true, we see your true colors. We see your true colors. All it is is a name, but it does not compare to the N-word. You know... You, you you have the N-word, and then you have, you know, the word for a white person. It doesn't offend the white person. You laugh about it. You laugh at it. But, you know, getting called the N-word, first time I got called the N-word, I was 
11 on the soccer field. I was 11 on the soccer field. And I didn't know how to wow. how to react. I was like, I, I, know what it, I know what it is, but, like, you know, I'm young. I had to go tell my coach, a white coach, you know, this is what happened. How do I react to this? I can't do anything. You know, if I say something bad, it doesn't offend you as good offends me. You know, these are the stories that I have to go through. I'm in school at a predominantly white school getting called the N-word. Now I have to go to a teacher who can't handle a situation like this. Then I look bad if I react. It's not, it doesn't look bad on their part. You're the angry black man. I'm the, exactly. My reaction is what everyone sees. I'm not going to hit you. You know, I'm going to use my words. I'm going to use my wisdom. That's, that is what white people hate. By me being educated, that is a threat. Apart from my skin, me being an educated black person in this country is also a threat to white people. It's a big threat. And they don't, they don't, see, they don't want to see that. They don't want to hear that. You know, if I use these big words, then it's like, who, who is this guy? You know, I've, <laughs> I've never heard a black person speak like this. I, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those, it's, it's offensive. You know, I shouldn't, my, I'm just as qualified for any sort of job just as much as you, just as much as you, just as much as anyone else in this room. But my skin color and me being smart and well-educated is a problem to some white folks. Not to all, but to some. And I think, you know, to Will's point, like I said, soccer is not a... When I, when I first started soccer, I was the only black person. You see, you see another black person on the team, it's like, you get excited. <laughs> you know, you get really excited. And then, and so now, so now, you know, you take... All right, said, using our platform, going into those inner city communities, in the black communities, you know, hosting events, you know, hosting events, get, teaching the game, but also, again, educating them on race, because not a lot of black people play soccer. And I think, you know, we have a chance to make a difference in, you know, people's lives by doing something like this, you know, once the pandemic is over, can we go outside to the public, you know, going into these communities, Hispanic communities, black communities, minorities, you know, giving, you know, giving back to them, you know, showing them that we care, that they care to us. And I think, again, that was, like I said, the message that, you know, the statement that we put out, using soccer as a tool, but also using said educating them as well so I, I know you guys said that it was important to you guys that, that obviously you support the the not playing this weekend but it was important to you that you played hopefully because that was where the platform was was playing in front of fans and I'm, I'm curious kind of where we go from here and we can continue talking as long as you guys want to but uh, one question I have is as we move forward with this canceled game in mind with everything that's going on I know you guys said you want to make a lasting difference in our community. And I know, Sean, you just mentioned, you know, being in the inner city and doing, doing work with, you know, minorities, preferably. I'm curious where you guys as a team hope to go, um, where, how people, you know, especially white people and members of this family, right, this Chattanooga FC family, how we can 
come together and, and make real lasting change. Because something that I'm personally scared of is that this is a 48 hour, 72 hour discomfort thing that we're like, man, we missed the game. That's such a bummer. Oh, I listen to that podcast. I understand why they're upset. And then nothing changes. Yeah. And we don't and we don't do anything. And I, when I say we, I don't just mean you guys. I mean we as the community that surrounds Chattanooga FC. And I'm, I'm wondering where do we go from here? How can we help? What can we do? And how can we make lasting change in you guys' opinions? Um, so obviously, you know, we have we have the live broadcast. Um, you know, that's today is what, the 29th of August. Hopefully we'll have a few people tuned into that. Just to kind of get a little bit of the perspective that we're sharing here, um, just to understand a little bit more. Um, but going forward, as we get out of this pandemic and as we're able to get back in the community, um, it's going to be huge for us, you know, as players, um, not black, not just black, white, and Hispanic, but as, as a family, as a group of men, to go out there in the community and impact the youth, right? Something we talked about yesterday was, you know, we can't change anything in Wisconsin or in Detroit or we can't change anything outside, right, until we change stuff here. So can we go inside these communities, whether it's in schools, community centers, after-school programs, and with the hundreds of kids that don't have a father in the family, right? We know that's prevalent in the black community. There's not a lot of dads that are present in the homes, right? Can we go in and can we give Offer right guidance, some guidance to these kids, right? Uh, and 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 some shed some light, give them something to look up to, some hope. And I know that's a big part, um, right, of 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 my ministry and that I've been doing for, for years. Um, you know, when we talk about race and soccer, you know, when I moved to, to the U.S., I played um, travel soccer in West Palm Beach, Florida, um, in, in Wellington, you know, which rich white community. I was the only black guy on my team. You know, the first time I got called uh, um, uh, N-I-G-G-E-R was playing at home against um, Kendall, West Kendall, right? Another rich white community, right? Kids, yes. <laughs> yeah, kids tell me to just to my face. That's why you're a N-I-G-G-E-R, right? So I was confused. Mind you, I'm a black kid just coming from Jamaica where I've never heard that word my entire life. Besides seeing it in movies, never heard a, a person utter that word, right? And I know what it means. I know it exists, right? I'm not ignorant to it. But for somebody to say to my face, it was a kind of a shock. Like, whoa, what? Right? I'm 16 years old, right? And so, you know... Those things, it happens, man. It happens in society. It happens on the soccer field. It happens everywhere. And so for me, we have that platform. We can either do good with it or we can do like that, right? I, I left, went to college in Pensacola. Then I played PDL in Jackson, Mississippi for two summers. I played PDL in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right? I've played in, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I've done great things in those communities, right? Met some amazing people, right? Impacted some great, some amazing kids that I still talk to to this day, right? So that's what football means to me, right? It's a vehicle for me to drive to this community, drop my message off, drive to that community, drop my message off, and impact lives on the way, right? And so I think that that's the platform and that's, that's the power that we have as players that we can go out there and we can show up in the inner city and these kids are ecstatic to see us, right? Because they don't have a father figure in the home. They don't have somebody telling them that they love them, right? They don't have somebody telling them that one day you're going to be a doctor, right? You're going to be the next LeBron James. You're going to be the next this. You're going to be the next that. 
in those situations. And I can, I can, I can uh, relate to that because my, I didn't grow up with my dad, right? I, my, me and my dad have a very good relationship. I moved to the U.S. to stay with him, right? But I didn't grow up with him in Jamaica. And so I, I can relate what it, what it feels like being raised by a single mom and not having a, a father in the home to teach you how to be a man, right? And so just us using that power that we have to, to, to guide and to, and to love on kids, man, and, and just to share with them and just to shed a little light. Tell them that they're good enough. Tell them that they're loved. Tell them that they're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a, a, a politician, whatever they want to be, right? Instead of they're in the environment that they're in, Every day they're seen and they're hearing about, you know, this and that going to jail, this and that getting beat up, this and that getting shot. The people are telling them that they're not going to come out to anything, right? So I think that's how we can change it. That's how we can influence it here in Chattanooga, right? And then from Chattanooga to wherever, from wherever to wherever, right? And yeah. 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, those lives change lives, right? And that's how we change it in my opinion. 100%. I mean, I totally agree for sure because, I mean, I can speak for everyone in this room that we all have at least one or two person that growing up that we still remember to this day that made an impact in our lives. Either it was through sports or through something that they invested their time and took their time and said, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna nurture you. I'm going to be there for you. And, um, and, I see something special in you, and I think you and and I think you're gonna be great. It don't matter. It don't matter if it's education, sports, or um, um, art, or anything. But I'm, I'm sure that every single one of us can can tell a story about someone that made an impact in in our life at some point. And so for us as athletes or 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 a public figure in this in in this town, it is important, like Rich said, that. We go into this in, into this uh, inner cities area, and we go and actually be involved. Not just show up one day and bring a soccer ball and uh, food and whatever, and and uh, and give it away, and then leave, and then they don't come back. Because they're, those kids are not going to remember that. They're going to remember when we go in there consistently, uh, week in, week out, um, investing our time, actually showing that we care about them. And they're going to remember that. They will forever remember that. When they get older into a higher power, because these kids are the future lawyer, future doctors, future everything. And in, and if we if we can make an impact in their life, they're always going to remember, oh, man, I remember Chattanooga uh, Football Club. The players used to come out. They used to do this for me and do that for me. And they were always there. And, um, and that's the kind of change that we can make. Your question about what can you guys do in terms of the supporter my question is, if we, the players, if we take a knee, are you going to stand with us? Are you going to be with us? Are you going to, are you going to, uh, are you going to uh, participate? And, and, and uh, are you willing, are you willing to, um, I guess, lose friendship, lose relationship because you're standing up for human rights, standing up for what's right? Are you guys willing for that? Because um, right now, that's the that's 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 what it's gonna come down to. That if we take a knee, are you gonna are you gonna be kneeling with us? So you know? let me let me ask a question because this, as, as you asked about supporters, mm -hmm. um, and I and I'm I'm choosing to kind of take this question in a in a game setting. Mm -hmm. Let's say you guys come out right. at the next home game, right? 
uh, and and you've made the collective decision or individual decisions, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling like our, this team will make a collective decision to do something. Yes, always. And you guys decide during the national anthem we're going to take a knee. Mm-hmm. Would you would you want like the supporters to also take a knee with you as a part of the family? Is that kind of what 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 would you guys see uh, um, the supporters doing in that kind of situation? What would you hope? I should say. I I would hope to that you guys support our decision. You know, I what I've seen before. I've seen you know MLS teams they've taken a knee and you know they've gotten backlash from their fans because of they've taken a knee for it. So I what I want from the fans. You guys don't have to take a knee with us, but I what I would hope is that you guys support our decision as a team. That you know we're doing this for a reason. We're not just doing it just to do it. We're doing it because of the injustice. You know the police brutality of minorities and of black people. You know so. We hope that you guys support our decision on taking the knee during the national anthem, and not hope and not we don't get any backlash because of it, you know, because that's what I've seen from other fans from other clubs. I, re- I remember the the FC Dallas Nashville yeah. game. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure you all my, you guys my, did. My my uh, a friend of mine was very unhappy about that. Reggie was very unhappy about that, and um and and it was just it was just really sad to see to see something like that happen because. Um, at the end of the day, like we said, we're all we're all here trying to fight injustice for human rights, and um, and if you feel whoever who, the supporters, if they feel that you know um, that they have some kind of uh, personal reason, and that you know that their family is in the military or whatever, and that you know they if whatever their reason is, um, if they if if they want to have a conversation, I personally. And, and and is willing to have a conversation with them. I'm ready to have an uncomfortable conversation with them, where I can understand from their from from what's happening in their life because I don't I don't know what's going on in their life, uh, but I'm I'm willing to un, I'm willing to have a conversation with them and 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 um and understand what's happening with them. What I want to pinch into that is um change. You know, change is a very powerful word. Um. um it's changed from within, okay? What I think we would ask for you guys is to start by the people around you. From your cousins to your family to your wives to your kids to whoever to um to constantly educate them that hey, they are not bad. Like, hey, you have to stand for what you believe. And that is going to go a long way. That change thing, again, like you said, like if we were to take a kneel, if we were to decide to kneel on the, the next home game or whatever we decide to do, honestly, we cannot tell you guys what we want from you guys. It has to genuinely come from you guys for it to have a bigger meaning. That's a great point. Thanks. For you know? Thank you. And with that, we will... Personally, me, I would even have more respect for you to decide what you want to do than me telling you what to do. Because at the end of the day, it's like it's like whenever we're a kid, your mom tells you, hey, go out, go clean the kitchen. Like, oh, man, I got to go clean the kitchen again. It doesn't have the same meaning for your mom. But if your mom is coming back home from work and she sees the kitchen is already clean, she's like, wow, who cleaned the kitchen? You cleaned the kitchen? 
oh my gosh, thank you so much. But you just made her mom's day by just doing it by yourself, on you, no pressure. You know, that's just to answer your question. Like, personally, we cannot tell you what to do at a home game. If you decide to take a nil, again, we completely respect it because maybe you have your own reasons as far as like military background, but we do expect you guys to fully respect why we took that nil. If you want to take a nil with us, more power to you and we'll take it. But if you don't, again, we respect it. But that change has to come from within the way we, um, the way, for example, when you go, when we leave and then you talk, you have a conversation with your mom or your dad or, or your sister or your brother, whoever, to tell them, hey, you know, you educate them about what's going on. But you have to firmly stand for what you believe. Because, again, we cannot tell you how to go about with this subject. But we could only inform you about how we feel and what we have to go through every day. Because at the end of the day, I cannot walk in your shoes. You have to walk in your own shoes. You have to carry your own cross. I cannot carry it for you. But I can only inform you what's going on. So, yeah, it has to genuinely come from the supporter's heart about what to do. Because, again, we're giving our all on the field, genuinely. Because all of us, we play this game because we love this game. First things first, we love the game. And we're just blessed enough to be able to, to do this as a profession. Nobody forced us to play this game. You know, nobody told us what or like how to work hard to play this game. It just genuinely came from us. And that's how we expect the same support on Saturday and going forward so we can keep educating people around us. It cannot just be a two-week time period. It has to be an every single daily life activity that whenever you go forward, for example, if you go to a store, you see an African-American male, you see a black male or a Latino getting, getting put in situations where they're not comfortable. Are you going to have that courage to step in and say, hey, yo, hey, that's wrong? Are you going to be able to stand up for them? That's the change. That's the biggest change you could possibly do. And I think to your point with that, I think as as white people, that's you know, that's how you can use, you know, your voice and your platform. Big time. You know, by, you know, stepping in when you see something like that happen. Big time. You know, again, you might lose relationships with family yep. or with things like that, but yep. But you also, like I said, it's it's a it's a sense of satisfaction of knowing that you're doing something for the greater good, yep. for the change. Um, yeah, just back to the original question. I think it would be unreasonable to ask. You know, we're doing something to ask everybody to kneel. That's my opinion. Yeah. We would yeah. never ask the supporters that we're gonna kneel before the game. You guys kneel, or else. Yeah. Or if you guys don't kneel, then. Yeah. Right. So whatever we decide to do. Listen, we're one club, we're one family, and if we, as being the front porch of the, the, the house, as Coach Fuller always say, if we decide that this is how we want the house to look, then it's only fitting that everybody else inside the house support it, right? And so if we don't support it, then let's have the conversation, right? And that, that, that's literally all we ask as a team is, let's have these conversations and let's understand why people do the things that they do, why people act and react the ways that they do, because it's certain situations that they have been through and things that they're going through each and every day. And 
you know, with change, when we talk about change, you know, what can we do going forward? It's going to be very uncomfortable, right? Us sitting here as athletes, we are uncomfortable every day, right? We're most uncomfortable in preseason because that's when we're all fat and out of shape, <laughs> yeah. right? And and hey, it's, hey, just, hey, it's just hey, the hey, truth. Hey, it's, hey, you know, <laughs> listen, what, when we think about <laughs> when we think about change, you think about plant. <laughs> we think about planting a seed, right? And that seed is is nothing more than just a seed until you put it in the ground, right? And you water it and you nurture it and you give it time. And next thing you know, it breaks itself apart. Then it breaks the earth, right? And then it grows and it it changes every day, and that's. That's what change is. Change hurts. Change is uncomfortable, right? For us, just I go back to the original analogy. Like when we come in preseason, it's the most uncomfortable time of the year for us because we're all so out of shape, right? We're all, we lost the muscle memory. We got comfortable sitting on the couch for too long. And so that first two, three weeks is very uncomfortable, right? And it hurts. But we know that it's for the, it's for the greater good. Yeah. We know that in the end, Right, we're gonna be fitter. We're gonna be stronger. We're gonna be more mentally clear, right, right. and we're gonna be able to get the job done. And so, in my opinion, that's change. It's having these uncomfortable situations to understand, right, to get on the same page. Man, why are these guys doing what they're doing? And once we understand, right, then we can better explain it to the next person who might have a different perspective. Like, why are these guys kneeling? Why, why, why have they made this video before the game? Well. You might know that you know this guy went through this and that guy went through that, right? Just not just because they're because they're athletes, you know, but because of the color of their skin, and not because they did anything wrong, but just because they're black or just because they they, they you know they're Hispanic or whatever. And I think that part is important. No, hundred percent, hundred percent, definitely agree. But and again and again, one thing I really want the supporters to know and people listen to this podcast is that this cannot be a division between us from the players to the fans. In order for us to grow, this cannot be a division. This is just simply for you guys to listen to where we're coming from and to actually be more informed and more educated about what's going on in our daily lives outside of footballers, you know? And just, just to you know, add to that is, you know, take politics out of this. You know, take politics yes. out of this. You know, again, Please. we, everyone's going to have different views, you know, but this is a human right issue. problem. You yes. know, this is a human rights yes. issue. 100%. 100%. This is a human rights issue. Politics aside, politics aside, this is a human rights issue. And if you think about, you know, how the kneeling, you know, started with Colin Kaepernick, you know, he, he was told by someone in the military. My dad did 30 years in the military, was a master chief. You know, this, we're not disrespecting, you know, what the men and women do for our country. We know what they do for the country. You know, they risk their lives. You know, they're on the front lines, you know, in the battle, no, on battlefields. You know, we know what they do, but this protest is not, you know, a spit in the face of them. And Colin Kaepernick has made that known. You know, people have made that known. Black people have made that known. So, you know, as black people, what we're asking is, you know, why does a piece of cloth matter more than my life? Why does a piece of cloth matter more than my life? 
And that's what you have to ask yourself. This fabric should not matter more than my life. We understand what the men and women in our military do for us. My dad, again, for, for a lot, six months on deployment when I was younger, a lot. Come back for about two months, going back again, you know? My mom having to raise three kids while my dad is doing something for the country. A black man for doing something good for the country on the battlefield, but his life doesn't mean anything to you. When he comes home. His life doesn't mean anything to you, but, but you're dismissing what he's done for the country. But, and if he kneels, then what? So if a person in the military kneels, then how, how are you gonna react? If a black person in the military kneels, what's your reaction like? What are you gonna say, you're disrespecting the flag, you're disrespecting the men and women in the country? He fought for the country. So then what's your excuse? Because I'm black. At the end of the day, it's because I'm black. So again, as fans, you have you can only you make your own decision. You know, we're all adults here. You can only make your own decision. We support your decision. But just as much as we support your decision, we ask that you support our decision right. with this peaceful protest. I, I can't help but think that there's a parallel here in terms of understanding and supporting decisions that are made by two different people or two different groups of people relates a little bit to how our approach as, as Genuga FC differed uh, in planning from what New Amsterdam decided to do. We wanted to use our platform to play. Right. Uh, right. That's the, you know, that Saturday night game. They chose like so many other uh, teams and organizations to not play, and, and 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 I and I can't help but think like to hear the parallels there of just because you have a different approach about the message you want to send or or the method you want to get to where you want to go doesn't mean it's bad and doesn't mean you don't we we don't share the same goals right, right. of where we want to go. Yeah, I mean we wouldn't have been the only team playing with fans. Uh, Orlando City they had their season opener with their fans, and they chose, it was the same night that almost every MLS team decided to not play. But they chose to play because they, they had the opportunity to play in front of fans, and they had the opportunity to really show share some light on what is happening. And so for us, we had that opportunity. And we live in Tennessee, the state where, like, there's no better place than to share, to, to shine some light on this than being in Tennessee, being in Chattanooga. Like if we if we can, there's gonna be a very un, unhappy people about this, about us taking the knee. There's gonna be some very unhappy people about it. But if we can reach one or two two white person, okay, I guarantee you that is going that's going to escalate. That's they're gonna reach somebody else, and they're gonna reach somebody else, and that's all we're trying to get is like, can we reach one or two people, and 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 get this and get this uh this train going, and. Uh, with the support from you guys, you guys, I, I applaud y'all. I have so much respect for you guys because this club was founded by the community. And that's one, that's one thing I absolutely love about this club is that it's the people's club. The people the, the people founded this club. It's not, that's one thing I love about NISA as well is that like these communities own the team. 
and it's the people's club. And it's not it's not a franchise. The league doesn't own it. And you guys pretty much the community pretty much make the decision on on, on just about everything. There's th- that's why they have a lot of ownerships within within the clubs. And and so um, to have the support and the understanding from the 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 fans and the supporters, it is huge. That inspire that 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 inspires us to go out there and playing and play freely without having to um, without having to like to feel like we are we're we're, we're not loved by our by our own fans because it's like if I don't have to support then I don't I don't I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna want to be a part of it. Yeah, just talking about one thing with the club supporting the community. I think I can speak on behalf of all of us. We all have a lot of respect for the club. And um, yesterday, when we were in our when we were having a meeting with our team, Juan Hernandez was talking about just some of the stuff in the past that the club has done in the community and how they have been involved thoroughly just with the community and trying to strive for change in the community. So we all heard him yesterday and understand that the club has had a lot lot of respect for different communities and trying to make change in the past so that's that's just one important thing as well yeah um so just before we close out here we want to just make sure that we address that that point right had new amsterdam showed up and decided that hey we're not going to play this game chattanooga fc we would not play that game right if they showed up and they wanted to play our plan was fully, yeah, let's play the game, but we have a message that we want to send. And we're going to do it before the game, during the national anthem, before kickoff, right? And that was the initial plan. They decided they're not going to come, we're not going to play. All right, we're not playing the game. We're all good, right? And so just so there's no gray area there, um, that was the decision that they made, and we fully support that. Had they decided to come and play, we fully would have supported that as well. But nonetheless, we still would have wanted the message to be sent. Yeah. Right? And so um, just for the fans that are listening as well, we want you guys to know the team and the players that are representing you guys and representing this city. Right? Every team meeting that we have, before we, we open it, before we sit down, we pull up on the website, right? And you guys can go on it on yourself. We pull up on the website the team's mission statement, the team's purpose, and the team's vision, and we go over that. That's how we start every single meeting, right? So don't think that you're, you're, you're coming out to watch just a bunch of guys just want, want to be here and set up shop for a couple months and leave. You're, you have a bunch of guys that are representing you because they want to be here because they bought into the culture of the club, because they bought into the vision of the club, and because they truly care about this community. I can speak personally. That's why I'm still here in Chattanooga, right? That's why I'm a part of this club, because I I truly believe in what the club stands for. I truly believe in what the club wants to do in the community, first and foremost, because it aligns with my values. And so when you guys come out there, just know that you're supporting people that support you. Know that you're supporting people that are for this community, and that, are for the, and that are for the betterment of this community. Unfortunately, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and we can't be out there. But just know that in, in, in every meeting and in all our intentions is as soon as this thing opens back up, we're going to be out and about and we're going to be making this community a better place for us, for you guys, and for everybody that's in it. And that's, and all, I, that's, all, that's all I have to say. I know that you guys are still working through how, despite a global pandemic, are, are there ways you can, you can get plugged in at a, at a safe, you know, socially distant kind of way. 
and and I know we look forward to hearing more about that in the future as, as you guys kind of make those decisions and, and formulate uh, those plans. Um, I want to thank you guys for, for coming on this podcast. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I am 100% a little bit uncomfortable right now, and I think that's good and necessary. That's growth. And, that's and, growth and I'm right glad, And I'm glad yes. that we did it. And, and something, I, I think I want to have you guys back on in, in a few weeks about a ra- race in soccer in America, yes. But we got, we got to a point where we started talking about like the youth and, and the pay-to-play system. And I, I think as far as soccer goes, I think there's a, there's a really important conversation that should be had about that. Uh, and it's something that we have talked about in the past of, of wanting to do a, a show kind of about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't help but think that the, 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 the system that we have right now in, for soccer in this country is, is built like so many of our other institutions and systems. And I, and I think, I think this is going to interject perfectly uh, and so I want to I want to kind of like in advance invite you guys back to to continue the conversation from a from a youth soccer perspective, uh, especially because so many so many guys uh, from our team are are coaches in in our academy. Um, so with that, I uh, thank you all listeners for listening. Uh, this is a nice nice long episode. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Bree, Bree, Breezy's telling me not really which is actually true uh, not not for us it, it's long unless you include anything Panzer or uh, or Coach talk about and then it gets longer <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fair enough uh, guys uh, Wilford welcome back yes thank well, you welcome back it's to great the- to be back and if you guys want to uh, hear more uncomfortable conversation you can go and follow me on Instagram at W-I-L-L-E-X underscore 923 um, I have guests on there. We we do a cool workout and we have uncomfortable conversations. It's, and and it's a and it's a place that you can watch, you can participate, and um, and you can join in. Plug. Cool. <laughs> Where can we find you on on social media? You guys can find me on um, Instagram at Coloquino. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's Coloco without the K O at the end. You know, it's K O L O K I N H O underscore. That's Coloquino. <laughs> or you could just put David Coloco and you'll find me on <laughs> to make life easier. <laughs> no, but seriously, though, you know, thank you guys for having me on this podcast, man. It was a lot of fun, like a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it to be able to um, to speak a little bit more about, you know, our situation and whatnot and going forward. And just getting more connected with the Chatter Hooligans, you know. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great blessing to be here, man. It's a great blessing to be here. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you for being here. Ryan? Hey, uh, Ryan here, but uh, you can find me on Instagram, just my name, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, Marcano, M-A-R-C-A-N-O. Are you not going to do anything creative? No, or? no, just it's just my name, just my name. <laughs> but uh, no, I just want to appreciate you guys giving this, us this platform and letting me be here as well. I like just being here to support, support my friends, support my brothers on my team, and uh, I really appreciate you guys today. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for being on this podcast with us, my man. Uh, Matt Breezy, uh, Chad Hooligans, thank you for having us today. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, great conversations. Um, I hope you guys learned a lot from us today. And um, you know, you can find me at uh, on Instagram at Big Sean Fifteen. Big, big Sean. Big Sean. 
See somebody's Instagram name, Big. That's Big underscore Sean, S-H-A-U-N underscore 15. Thanks again for having us, and I hope you guys enjoy the day. Thank you. Rich? Richard Dixon here, Richard Dixon official. Um, as always, man, thank you guys for having us. Thank you guys so much for the support. Um, it doesn't go unnoticed. It's much appreciated. And um, anything that we can ever do for you guys, besides giving you three points on the weekend, don't hesitate to let us know. Um, yes, yes. Thank you so much for having this uncomfortable situ uh, conversation, right? But like I said, growth is uncomfortable. Growth hurts. And in the end, you learn a little. You can teach a lot, yeah? And so thank you guys so much for the platform and for the time and for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Yes, and guys, uh, if, if you guys really want to get to know some of us, for me personally, feel free to reach out. Maybe we can grab, maybe we can grab lunch and have a conversation and talk. And um, especially during this time, I think it's really important that um, you guys, if, especially if you're uncomfortable, if you have questions and uh, and you're white, feel free to come and reach out to us. Ask us what's going on. Ask us how we're feeling, and um, and we will be. For me, I'll be personally happy to have a conversation, and sit down with you, and uh, and and we can find some time. Grab a drink, grab lunch or something, and, uh, and, and and have a conversation. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Matthew, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at I am Caniglio, and you can find me on Twitter at Whiskey is Fine. Oh, whiskey is fine. Y you can follow the Section 109 podcast uh, on all of the channels, and you can find me on the internet if you Google me. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.